submitted for your consideration. Man has always challenged nature, thinking that they contain the elements. But what happens when nature changes the rules and fights back? This is the Nature vs. Man 2 for one literary licensed podcast episode exploring science fiction and horror and weighing the outcomes of a dying planet with your co-hosts Keith Chalko, John Wilson, Vicki Ray, and Jesse Fultz. Man will forever be changed. Hello, welcome to Literary License Podcast, and welcome to Nature vs. Man, and today we are two for one, we're still doing the film Them from 1954, and Eight-Legged Freaks from 2002. So before we get started, let's find out who's with us. First of all, we have Joe Redanzo back with us. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. How is everyone doing today? Oh, good. Hey, Joe. <laughs> hey. <laughs> we got John Wilson with us. Hello, John. Hi, folks. Jesse Fultz. Hey, how's everybody doing? And Vicky Ray. Hey, everybody. And before we get started, let's find out what everyone's been up to since last time we spoke to them, starting with John. What have you done for since we last saw you a month ago? Uh, just been, you know, trying to survive the apocalypse, <laughs> which is this year, 2020. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've been, you know, keeping busy with, um, you know, work and watching, trying to bit, continue to binge watch. I'm almost finished with The Crown. Um, which is oh, nice. I just started watching it last night. It's good. Yeah. The fourth season is fantastic. Um, and then I finished last night, Supernatural, which is bittersweet. 15 years. I haven't uh, watched it yet. I it's, saw your It's so weird because I've watched um, Smallville. There's a, there's a few shows that I've watched. I'm a legacy watcher. Like I'm not one of those people that gives up easily on shows. And so for 15 years of viewing um, and they even show footage of them when they first started, they look like such babies when, you know, Jared Padalecki and, and, um, um, oh my god, why am I blanking on his name? What's the other one's name? Jensen Jer- Ackles. Yeah, Jen- Jensen Ackles. Um, they just look like babies, and so to kind of like be, it's surreal to be on this journey and to finish it. I was bawling like a baby last night, so <laughs> I've been up to crying in the dark. No, I know, supernatural. <laughs> and what about yourself, Joe? What have you been up to? Um, mostly writing and um, uh, Celeste from Hex and Arcane, she and I have been kicking around some ideas and uh, we were going to get started uh, shooting some stuff on Monday, but uh, unfortunately we weren't, uh, we're not going to be able to, to see each other and do that stuff yet. So uh, I'll have to wait a little while, but um, mostly do, uh, doing some kicking around some ideas with her. Uh, I knocked out like the first act of a new screenplay in like two days which was impressive to me because I just kind of knuckled down and just wow. went through it. And uh, and talking to uh, to one of the um, one of the producers of uh, the Last Drive-In, I was like, he, he just kind of gave me the advice, like you're overthinking it. It's a slasher movie. Just just sit down and write it. Just knock it out, and then right. any anything after that gets fixed later on. So that's I just realized, true. yeah, that's probably the best uh, best solution. Nice. What about your stuff, Jess? What do you? Um, let's see. Actually, I've been super busy lately with, um, I've been working on a website that I bought a domain name for, and the website is really just for my art. Um, and then I've also been, yeah, that's actually taken a lot of time because I have to download a bunch of photos, create a bunch of folders, um, stuff like that. And like trying to find everything that I've ever made, which is so my, my folders, uh, 
and iCloud is so disorganized right now, so it's kind of hectic to um, to do that. But I've also been working on a, a short story, I guess. It's like a short spooky story, um, which I haven't like written anything um, as like a story since like high school. So I'm trying to get back into that because I've been wanting to work on that for quite some time because that's also something I like to do is write. Um, and then uh, some painting projects uh, with spray paint, just house stuff. It's not like you know, art stuff or anything like that. Well, but, John uh, Mary, come down to Dallas and you can paint. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got a couple jobs for you. She was like, I'll line you up some paint gigs. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, what else? Um, website, short story. Uh, oh, yeah, and I watched Bombshell. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, with, uh, first, I mean, with Kim Bannon. Yeah, and uh, Charlie's Theron and Margot Robbie. Yeah. I yeah, heard it was no, good. It, it is good. It's very good, and it's very intense. Uh, yeah, but it's kind of surprising how much Mar- uh, Charlie's Theron looks like... Marilyn um, Monroe? No, Megan, 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 Megan Kelly. Megan, Megan, Megan Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's very impressive. Like some scenes, you you I mean, you can tell it's Charlie Theron under there. But what movie is this? You guys are dreaming. Bombshell. Bombshell is about um like this uh kind of like the sex scandal that happened with Megan Kelly, Gretchen Carlson. Oh, um, yeah. Really? With uh, Murdoch. With Murdoch. Yeah. Okay, that's what you're thinking of when you said Bombshell and you said Marilyn. I was like, wait a minute, you're talking about you were thinking Smash. Yeah. The show Smash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I forget who the blonde was in that, but that was a good show too. On, on it was uh, making something or other as well. Yeah, where'd you watch it on, Jess? Um, Netflix. Oh, I'll have to look it up then because that sounds interesting. I'm seeing it. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Uh, if you look up clips on on YouTube, like it's the trailer. Even when when that came out, was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to see this. I didn't know they made a movie out of it. I don't know where I've been. <laughs> I think there were there were two movies I think about the the sex scandal. There there's the one he's talking about. Then there was uh, there was a second one. I'm trying to remember who was in that. Someone else played Megan Kelly in that one. Oh really? Yeah, I don't. Uh, that that one didn't get as much attention. Okay. I, I don't remember. So like when Capote came out, then there was Capote, and then there was the other film with Truman Capote with Sandra Bullock. And the oh, one with Bill they came out like the same time. They always kind of do that with these buy-offs. They come out with the same. It's time. true. It's true. I think it's it's got to be a competitive thing. I know they did that with like Little Mermaid and Splash too. Uh, well, they, the were the Steve, com- they were the same company. The oh. Steve Jobs uh, movies uh, recently too. There were two Steve Jobs movies at the same time. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I didn't see either of them, but I, I didn't see either of them either. <laughs> what about yourself, Vix? What are you even up to? Me. Yeah, yeah, little, little, little you, you're like little old me. I'll <laughs> <laughs> talk about Bob. Um, I'm just getting ready for the holidays. We're just trying to, you know, chill out a little bit. Everything's kind of getting crazy with the world again. Trying to pull back a little bit, but I still watch my uh, my stuff. There was was it? Epics had this uh, series on. I've got an episode for it's called War of the Worlds. Have you any? Yeah, I, heard, I heard it was good. Is it the yeah, movie the or is it a show? The English show. Yeah, it's a the series one, yeah. based on, you know, War of the Worlds. And I was just wondering if it was going to be anything like, you know, Tom Cruise. That movie is probably one of the only few movies that disturbed me with the vaporizing of people. and the, you know, No, the- that's true. I, I was disturbed. Like, that's the only alien movie aside from, like, the ever, alien the, series. Me. 
I don't know why. That disturbs me. <laughs> and like I was telling the boys earlier, I was watching Mandalorian. I got into season two. Cannot stop watching it. I love it. I just, I think it's a fantastic series. Anybody can watch it, honestly. And then there was Eli Roth's History of Horror. I've been taping that and watching it. I just, I love that show. I just love everything he puts on it. I love his interviews and I like his, you know, how he goes back and explains everything and how this was done and how that was done. Well, well what is that on? It's on um, AMC. Uh, AMC. Oh, okay. On Sunday, I believe it's on Sunday. And okay. I found myself with insomnia the other night ago watching Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> 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 Totally loved that movie. Also has Eli Roth in it. Didn't even really notice that until I started getting into it. Wow, Eli Roth's in that. I hadn't seen it in so long, but it's a great movie. I get a real kick out of it. But that, I mean, not a whole lot. Just getting ready for Turkey Day and all that good stuff. What about you, Keith? Um, I haven't been up to a lot. Just working a lot. Um, watched a good series on Netflix, which I quite enjoyed, was Dash and Lily, which is a Christmas um, series, which was very cute, very kept me going for a weekend is but it like a hallmark cut. movie <laughs> no it's not a hallmark it's it's very it's very it's very well done actually the acting is very, okay. very well it's very well written tightly scripted each episode is about 25 minutes long so oh. yeah it was really well done actually and i quite liked it it's all set in new york so that was oh. quite interesting outside of that just yeah i've been watching a lot i've been playing a lot of destiny 2 on xbox so that's what i've been doing with my time off so oh i tried playing that and it it just is such an expansive universe like you know. my son on there yeah. i bought that game and i tried to download it and it wouldn't like it wouldn't do anything on my system so i was very disappointed because i haven't played that game still but i have it laying around so i think i would have to get like an entirely new system just to download that game well now like what is it the new xbox is coming out like my that my yeah. son can't find one in in anywhere well same with playstation both of them mm. are PlayStation, yeah he's i told him I go, just wait till after christmas there'll be a shit ton of them and they'll be down in price as well so yeah that's why i go just wait till after don't i got the uh the new avenger well not new but the avengers game and then i just downloaded that uh, looks good high rule warriors which is i'm a big zelda fan so i just downloaded that today came out so Looking forward to playing that. Yeah, I want to get Assassin's Creed and New Fallout. Yeah, uh, Assassin, Sa- uh, the Assassin Creed Valhalla, right? Yeah. Yeah. So oh yeah, so yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll get that around Christmas time because I got three weeks off. So I think it's funny. Going. My son, most people send like, what year, they did so. at work or what they've learned. He sends me his stats from his Xbox. He go, look, <laughs> I'm ranked number fifteen out of billions of people, mom. Yeah, nice. Like, so funny. Go, you go, son. <laughs> 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 so, well, that brings us to Story Geek. Story Geek is not going to tell us what you can watch, what you can download, or you can stream during the COVID crisis. So take it away, Story Geek. What movies and TV shows should you be watching the week of November 16th? I'm Jay Shear. Obviously not in my normal studio. I'm on the road, but still here with new movies and TV shows. I'm also the co-writer and director of Death of a Bounty Hunter, the new supernatural steampunk western available now as a full cast audiobook get the first 3 chapters for free over at deathofabountyhunter.com no new movies in wide release but we did get big news wonder woman 1984 gets a christmas day release for both movie theaters and hbo max here in the states that's a pretty big deal with all the other studios pushing their blockbusters way back into 2021 i'm in california where they just shut down 
theaters again, so we may not be able to see it in theaters at all. But we do have things coming out on streaming. Let's check out Netflix. Not much new on Netflix, but we did get The Crown Season 4, which my wife is very excited about. Jingle Jangle, a Christmas musical that's worth your time. Very entertaining and well done. And in the worst timing ever, V for Vendetta came out on November 15th. And I completely missed the opportunity to come out on November 5th, Guy Fawkes Day. Also, I'm a little late to the party, but I've been watching The Queen's Gambit, and it's very good. I recommend it, especially if you like the 1960s or chess. But even if you don't, the performances are outstanding. Over on Amazon Prime, they've added seasons 1 through 9 of Scrubs. Disney Plus has added some new content, more than some of the other providers, which is unique. We don't often get new stuff from Disney Plus, but they've added... The Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse Season 1. I'm looking forward to that. And they've added three new documentaries, all of which I've seen and all of which I recommend. Inside Pixar, which is about working on animated films. Ultimate Viking Sword, which is exactly what it sounds like it would be. And Petra, City of Riches. And last but not least, they've also added the Lego Star Wars Christmas Special. I haven't seen it yet, but we'll see if it lives up to the original live-action Star Wars Christmas special, which shouldn't be that difficult. <laughs> Over on Hulu, they've added Cartel Land, a super compelling documentary about small Mexican towns doing battle with the cartel. That's a documentary. I highly recommend it. It's very fascinating. So a lot of good documentaries out this week on various services. Are you looking for a new podcast or a new audiobook? As I said at the beginning of this segment, our new audiobook, Death of a Bounty Hunter, is out now, a supernatural steampunk western, and new episodes are available every week at deathofabountyhunter.com. This has been Jay Shear, and I hope you have fun watching movies and TV shows wherever you can find them. Welcome back, and thank you for Story Geek for those fantastic choices. We'll be checking those out, and now we're going to Them, which is a 1954 American black-and-white science fiction monster film from Warner Brothers, <coughs> produced by David Wellsbart, directed by Gordon Douglas, and starring James Whitmore, Edmund <coughs> Quinn, Matt Weldon, and James Arnez. The film was based on an original story treatment by George Worthing Yates, which was then developed to a screenplay by Ted Sheridan and adaption by Russell Hughes. Them is one of the first of the 1950s nuclear monster films and the first big bug feature. A nest of gigantic eradicated ants is discovered in the New Mexico desert. They quickly become a national threat when it is discovered that two young queen ants and their consorts have escaped to establish new nests. The national search then follows finally accumulates in a battle with them in the concrete spillways and strain drain systems of Los Angeles. So we'll cut to the trailer. We'll be right back with them. I tell you, gentlemen, science has agreed that unless something is done and done quickly, man, as the dominant species of life on Earth, will be extinct within a year.
election of the President of the United States. Stay in your homes, I repeat. Stay in your homes. Your personal safety, the safety of the entire city, depends upon your full cooperation with the military authorities. Yes, cities, nations, even civilization itself, threatened with annihilation, because in one moment of history-making violence, nature, mad, rampant, wrought its most awesome creation. For born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things so horrible, so terrifying, so hideous. There is no word to describe them. We may be witnesses to a biblical prophecy come true, and there shall be destruction and darkness come up in creation, and the beast shall reign over the earth. Yes, the earth, the skies above and the seas below, infested by swarms of nightmare creatures, crueler, deadlier than the armored giants of prehistoric eras. Here is a wild, headlong flight into terror as the desert erupts with the grim battle for survival. Here is a fear-frenzied moment of suspense as mankind totters before a thing that multiplies faster than it can be killed. Here is a desperate plunge into the black depths of the earth where human courage challenges the brute force, the slashing jaws, the poison fangs that guard the subterranean nest where the beast spawns its terrible progeny. To all units, to all units, condition red, grain 267 is the target area. Repeat, condition red, grain 267 is the target area. can't take a chance. It might poison the whole city. Welcome back to Discussing Them, the 1954 American film. So, Jesse, what are your thoughts of this, considering that you fell asleep during it? <laughs> well, um, oh, I, actually, I was actually <laughs> very intrigued. I was actually very intrigued by the very beginning. And, you know, I didn't look into this before I watched it, so I, I didn't want to know what it was about. So I didn't really realize it was about like killer ants but it was actually very intriguing it reminded me of like a really lengthy twilight zone episode it kind of does actually yeah Yeah. the acting's really good i like the way that you don't know what's going on and you're kind of there's no foreshadowing at all in this necessarily there is like once they show like ants and sugar and then i'm like oh this is about killer ants isn't it like giant killer ants and like where's elvira like i was waiting for her to come out and comment on the movie (laughs) or something but um it the minute i saw the ant attack um the scientist's daughter i don't remember her name joan uh, yeah. i'm sorry uh, patricia played by joan uh weldon yeah. yeah 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 um the minute it came out and started attacking i'm like oh man this movie just got dumb and i'm like <laughs> yeah it, because i just it, well, not, <laughs> not only that but the guy like brought the bible into it and was like we're living in one of the plagues and I'm like, wait, you brought the Bible into this? Like what? 
in an ant movie, like giant killer ants, plus they don't even... Well, they're trying to appeal to everybody, I'm assuming. I think, again, you have to take it for the time that it is being produced, which I agree with, Vicky. It is in the 50s for for the technology and for the way it was shot. It was amazing. It it didn't, to me, give an air of hokey, which it could have very easily given you. And there's a lot of... What I thought was interesting is, is each of the actors had to almost know the science behind what was being expressed. And sometimes in films, you don't get that. Sometimes it's so hokey that they can't really explain what is happening, why it's happening, but they were able to kind of like talk about, you know, atomic bombs and what happened with atomic bombs. No, that was actually intriguing to me. I'm, I'm obsessed with that whole history of like the atomic age and stuff. I love the 1950s. It's like one of my favorite eras aside from like the whole Victoria, the Victorian period or like the Regency eras and stuff. But um, like the fifties and the sixties, 60s are very fascinating to me and i love uh, i've watched videos of like uh nuclear test footage and stuff like that and it's so cool and it's one of the reasons why i like the game fallout and like call of duty especially like the zombies stuff because it all has to do with um you know the old politics and then nuclear fallout stuff and you know the nuclear family thing and how that kind of influences even our you know a lot of modern stuff then we don't even realize it like we don't realize the history of all of these films and tv shows that we watch and stuff so i do like that and i like where you know what it means for the progression of like where we are now as far as like film and tv and stuff goes but i don't know just the concept of like ants like if it was spiders or something else but like when are ants ever dangerous <laughs> well i mean but they, but they but they're huge one of the scenes they kind of explain the danger of it which i thought was very it was smart for them to do that scene, which is okay, imagine having to come and explain to the military, you have this threat, right? Without yeah. having them laugh at you, like literally go ants. You're telling me the problem is ants, right? And they, they kind of show videos of the force of an ants, what it's capable of doing at its own size, right? Not talk about it being. How they killed it was interesting with a stinger as well. Yeah. They killed the their prey and then they, how, yeah. Yeah. they sucked them alive. through the So it took, to me, it took it out of that. Oh, this is like, comical it to me it was always trying to as a film it was always trying to paint this as this is a serious urgency right it was painting it as more of a horror than a sci-fi you know comedy kind of exploration of of something happening and so yeah i I just think it was i love the acting i love that the acting uh, was great patricia was never a femme fatale right if you will she was never like Falling oh breaking you know, or the bimbo is my you know, womanly yeah. wows to get the men to listen to me she was like no you're gonna listen to me right like whenever she spoke it was like when they were like we're gonna go down the hole to and she goes i'm going with you no you're not yes i am and she was like very much very i know for the 50s that was kind of like a big thing actually because yeah. that almost never happened back then no you know? not at all and so you almost had to ask for the permission of the man to go down and with you, you know, and there had to be a reason. And she was always, what I do love is one of the tidbits is that she had to actually wear like platforms to meet the height of some of the characters. Cause I guess she was right. Like, she's not, they wanted her a little bit up. Well, James um, Whitmore did as well. because James, Arn- yep. James Arnez is so yeah. tall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which we, we, we covered him in what the thing from another world. Right. Another, yeah, another world. And um, he is so tall that basically everyone had to wear lifts to be in, in the scenes with him. Yeah. So. No, but I did I did like the movie. I was very intrigued by, um, especially the way that it, it started. I know some people thought it was really slow and there were some complaints about that, but I actually really liked how it was, you know, it was kind of building up to something and you weren't sure 
And considering, you know, I've seen a lot of like horror movies from like even the 60s and 70s that didn't hold up as well as like, you know, like when they show a dead body and like there's blood and stuff, even though this was black and white, um, you know, everything that, that they showed looked like, you know, it was reasonable. And I did think at first, though, that that broken skull was supposed to be like a man's broken skull. I was so relieved when I found out it was just the doll's broken skull. Because I'm like, don't tell me that's like supposed to be human because it's very obviously made of plastic or glass. Oh, or yeah. Something. Oh, when they find it in the cabinet. <laughs> the one thing that I, yeah. did, I guess didn't make sense to me. And I was like, it was the fact that when they were coming up to do this detective work and they realized, oh, everything is busted outward. So something was on the inside. It busted out and like that. And so you're kind of like. Did, like you I was like was it a mutation that just happened overnight and that ant like grew inside the mobile home and burst out of it like it's so there was these instances where it was a couple times oh like, yeah about, yeah and they it was on really the inside out them. and it was like how what <laughs> like how, wouldn't it be the other way around wouldn't it be the outside in like ripping you know coming so I thought that was an interest but I like yeah, it might have been that because they did show <laughs> ants inside of the building I think or what inside whatever I seen ants twice like eating sugar there's cubes of sugar and the yeah. minute that I saw like cubes of sugar twice in a row and then ants I'm like oh yeah it's definitely about killer ants has to be about that and I, I mean they don't really I mean, unless I fell asleep during that part where they explain like how the ant <laughs> grew, <laughs> but you missed I mean, the, the whole movie. Didn't different. you get the whole exposition of what? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting. I mean, the thing is that you have to do remember ants is like, okay, yeah, they seem like quite puny and something not to be feared, but you also have to remember that ants have a way of getting through. They 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 can they work their way through into people's houses and stuff. Doesn't matter. You can be you can have a crack free yeah. surface and they 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 eat their way into your home, sort of. Yeah. Thing. Let me tell you about ants. I, so. I have to go buy 10, 12, 20 pound bags of freaking Amdro all the time because we get fire ant hills are like this. I mean they'll yeah. fire ants? Oh jeez. Yeah, yeah. And when they bite, even if it's one of them little bastards, it hurts like a no, that's true. I've gotten bit I by an ant before. I've gotten bit by an ant before. It doesn't. Or what about the ones you start? They what about the ones that before it rains they start flying? They swarm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot. They, about, they well. should have had some of those in the movie. That would have been. Well, they, been they kind of allude to the queens. They allude to the queen they lose her. They lose her. Oh yeah, yeah. Their, okay. uh, wings. Okay. And there was only supposed. There was really only three, three of these ants that they had for like robotics or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And the movie was supposed to be shot in 3D. So yep. some elements of the movie, like with the flamethrowers going at the camera, apparently yeah. it never it never stuck and they never did get the second iPrint film. That's why Yeah, because they, they were also gonna do it in color, which is why the yeah, intro was like in color, yeah. but they didn't yeah, they didn't. I think I think it actually it. pays to have it in black and white. I think it was I like it. I think so too. I think yeah. so too. Around that time, so I remember I never saw this film, but I remember when I was younger, my mom would always show me classic films. And a lot of the ones she showed me weren't the typical like Oklahoma or breakfast at Tiffany. Right. It was The Naked Jungle. So The Naked Jungle was a 1954 film as well about a, a scientist who comes to the jungle to explore this like tribe. But then what happens is the whole village is attacked by just like millions of ants, but they're like normal size, but it shows you, it showed you how they would just rip they would like rip apart things and they would, yeah, you know, they're they, would attack, they would attack and like strip something down and eat it. And I remember as a kid going like, Oh my God, like, what the hell is well, this? You know, being like terrified. Ants are um, tactical. They're organized. And so this reminds well, yeah, me that of is, that. You know? 
that is fascinating about ants because I do know I had to do project in school, which I don't remember all of I, but I do remember, um, you know, the way that ants work a little bit and it's very, it, it is strange. Like how, um, like one minded that they are, it's so bizarre. So the communication levels must be like beyond in out of this world or something like it's almost alien. Like, so I can, I guess I can kind of see, especially during the atomic age when like space and the nuclear stuff, and that sort of thing might have been used because there is something kind of alien-like about ants, yeah. like in the way that yeah. they communicate, like if you study the science about ants and whatnot. So and anyone with an ant farm who likes to study and watch them. Oh, probably little, remember those little ant farms we get when we were little? <laughs> oh, yeah. It'd be like the, they were like a slice and you could see the ants living. Until you accidentally drop it and then they all go over the house and your mom like starts yeah, freaking out. Yeah, exactly. Casey, you're around the house with a slipper. <laughs> and another another uh, film too that um, I remember <laughs> as a kid and it was... Uh, uh, Empire of the Ants. Joan Collins was in that one, so that was like nineteen seventy-seven, oh, yeah. I think, seventy-six. But it was it went the the route of sort of what eight-legged freaks is. There's like a toxic spill, and then these ants eat it, and then they grow, and then they start attacking. But there's a weird sort of like twist to where they're able to like control humans because of the the antennae. Like something happens where they can actually use what they use on each other with people and they start controlling. Oh. So when you're talking about that, it's like a very watch that one. Cause I think it's, it's, it's interesting when they do that too. And they talk about like more of the science that way and how they're able to control. Cause at one point people, they're like putting people in a cage with them and like letting them be eaten. <laughs> like here, we're going to sacrifice you, you know, the people, <laughs> you know, it's like you're for the greater good. They need your nourishment, you know? You know the sound that they, their giant ants make as they approach their prey is a recorded chorus of bird voice tree frogs of yeah. the southeastern U.S. Who would have thought, you know? What, what a creepy tree I can't even say the name of it. Hyla Chrysocellus or something yeah. like that. Or Hyla Abibo. <laughs> yeah. By the way, that was a I read about that last sound. Night. I love that when they would play that sound. You knew it was fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. It was used it's, in other, it was reused. They, so they recycled this yeah. sound. And used it in other films like Mohawk and the Black Scorpion. Yeah, there's a lot of sounds. There was a lot of there's a lot of sounds like that that are used like even today in like video games and movies and stuff like that. And I liked how this was even a reference in the next movie that we're going to talk about. But it's also referenced in like other video games. Even I think games like Fallout and like Red Dead Redemption and stuff like that. And there's like I don't know. I think it's cool that movies like that are this old are are, are still in things that we you know, consume and engage with today, whether it's a movie or um, a video game or something like that, because, you know, there is important, um, it, it uh, milestone, it's like an important milestone, like, you know, making movies like this, even if it's not necessarily the most phenomenal movie or seen as the most revolutionary, you know, you don't realize how movies like this do affect, you know, um, like where we are today in movies and like how far we've gone. Although I, I can't say I've seen like a giant ant movie in ages that, you know, like a modern one. Well, <laughs> I don't know. By the way, this was like one of the first that actually came yeah. off a slew of films. So it always takes mm -hmm. one person to kind of usher in a new era of, yeah. of, you know, 
large like, insect oh, films or mutations or anything. That's of that what the of. next season of American Horror Story is going to be about. <laughs> like mutate. Well, maybe you never know. I mean, they're, they're right? tapping into every try the genre they can, so it's interesting. Well, you got to I mean, go yeah. back. And this is the beginning of the advent of the nuclear age, too. So they were going to yeah, use yeah. whatever they could to scare the bejesus out of their audience because you know everybody's scared of atomic everything. Can you imagine? Well, the, the, I think another thing you need to remember is, is that in the 40s, you know, up until even during World War Two, they were actually nuclear testing right. where people lived in the, sort of thing, yeah. And, and yeah. the deserts and stuff like that. And they had no idea to know how what radiation does. Right. Now, what's also interesting where they were testing the nuclear um, site, they filmed they filmed one of um, Marilyn Monroe's last film was called The Misfits. Right. Everyone that was on set which was filmed in the past they're supposed to have been cleared off of all radiation they all died of cancer every single one of cancer from doing westerns out there yeah and you know um we're talking about clark gable we're talking about um the director um and the screenwriter everyone got cancer and i guess um even though them is you know about giant ants it's more about the allegory exactly what does nuclear that man yeah can cause something well what are they going to do to clean it up and correct that's pretty yeah. much the allegory you have during and then it's also and, cover it up right because in a lot of this film is about they don't immediately tell people what's going on they need to kind of try to bury it first and when they realize it's kind of out of their hands literally they have to like now cast the net wider in order for people to help them cover it up. And so it's always a bit of a cover up until it's not the one scene I would think is hysterical though, is because I don't know if it was me and I was told there were killer ants coming for me. I don't know if I'd be sitting in a diner going with my girls like, Oh yeah. Like there's these scenes where they're being told like monsters are coming invading and they're just like, Oh, that's great. So, Cindy, you're going on your date tonight? You know, <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Like, no one's running in chaos. It's all, like, very, it's very uh, kept calm, right? And where you think in modern times when that happens, a person says, oh, something, you know, something's attacking the city. Everyone goes into anarchy and starts destroying. It's true. It's right? true. It's yeah. crazy, you know. What about you, Joe? What do you think about them? The, it was the first time I'd seen it in 15 years, and um, the two things that I remembered the most were the sounds of the ants yeah. and the little girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The little girl they find wand wandering the desert and the scene where they eventually get her, um, uh, eventually, uh, get her out of it. Those are the two things that I, that I remembered most. Um, the interesting thing is the way the in the two movies, and we'll, I guess we'll talk about it more with Eight Legged Freaks. The way that the science is presented to us in the two movies, in them, you know, 1954, it's just a giant exposition dump of dialogue, like yeah. all at once. Yeah. Whereas with Eight Legged Freaks, you have uh, you have a little boy who's, you know, uh, just telling people something as the as the story progresses, and I think. Right. Uh, I think it works better that way, but yeah, you got to remember the 1950s were hev heavily dialogue driven. Um, yeah. My, uh, I remember when I watched it the first time versus today, today I knew what to expect. I remember thinking going in that it was just going to be the schlocky mess that it isn't. <laughs> so I remember being disappointed the first time because I grabbed it and I brought it to work and we were working as security guards. And I'm like, okay, it's about giant killer ants. This is going to be some stupid shit. We're all going to laugh. And then we were all watching it going, oh, this actually 
this this isn't this isn't the terrible 1950s giant bug monster movie we thought it would be. Yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely not Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. No, no. it's not. This no. is presented. This is presented <laughs> it's, it's very. That's what I mean. It's almost very serious. It's more of a like very serious like horror film, and you watch it, and there's no like there's no humor to it at all. I don't think there's any. Yeah. Where you, go, <laughs> you know, there's nothing where you're like. No, I mean, there's no even slight jab or no, not at all. That's that, that's 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 what stuck out to me is that. Uh, I remember the first time watching it thinking that's what it was going to be. I remember thinking it's going to be the thing where, oh, we're all just chilling and laughing and, oh, look at how stupid this is. I'm like, even the ants, which, you know, primitive as it looks, when you consider it's 1954, they don't look that bad. Yeah. And the no, they, they really don't. Happened. No, no. I guess They're, they were a purplish color, but you can't really tell because of black and white. Yeah. Yeah. There was like there I was, was a mistake, though, too, that there was something they were mentioning, too, I was reading, where they said one of them, they could see the animatronics of it. So in the yeah, film, that's they true. did a re-release. They had to fix that problem because I guess in the film, you could totally see the people operating the ants. Like, it was just like, oops, sorry, we got that in the, in the, in the cut, in the shot. So... Was there someone inside as well as it being robotic? Were they controlling from the inside? Yeah, no, or inside, sure someone, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure someone was on the inside using the like the maybe the antennae or whatever. Like right. you could see the you could see the the back part of the body where the people were doing it versus they, okay. they were meant to be out of that shot and they got it in the shot. And so it was just later on they were able to I guess fix that or tighten it up a bit so they couldn't see, you know, that those people. You know, the old man that was singing that song, Make Me a Sergeant, he was in the blob. He was the old guy that got absorbed by the creature, I think, that was poking at it with a stick first. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had to then say for them, it's got a fantastic cast. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, James Whitmore, I mean, went on to win quite a few awards. As yes, like he did. A pretty prestigious actor. James Arnett, kind of, of course. I was surprised to see him in this role, you know? Well, it's, it's, his early, it's his early role. I mean, the thing is, though, he he did do a lot of stuff in the movie to draw your eye to him because he, he liked to do a lot of stuff right. with his hands when he was also in Dick Sargent or was it Dick York or Dick, Dick Sargent that was in this movie? Yeah, Dick York yeah, was Dick in this York. movie. I thought yeah. that was. I still, Leonard Nimoy. I still Leonard Nimoy's in it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to give our hats off to Edmund Gwen as well, who played the um, the Doctor Harold. Doctor Harold, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's fantastic. I mean, have you ever seen DOA? He's, he was a star of DOA, which is a 1930s mystery thriller about a man who gets poisoned and he has two hours to find the man who poisoned them and, right. um, and find... Um, Damn. Find the cure. Oh. Yeah, well, they, they remade it in the 80s with um, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. What but is it called again? Black and white. DOA. DOA. Dead on okay. Arrival. Nice. I have to look. Up. I mean, he. I mean, he was fantastic, and of course, we do get a young um, Fess Parker Fess as well, Parker, who went yeah. on to oh, be yeah. Rocket sort of thing. And, and also, but I also like, but I also like the who's who of character actors from the fifties are in this as well. Like if, every time you watch it, he's like, I recognize her. I recognize yeah. that yeah. person. I recognize yeah. this person. So. Everybody gets so there. I thought, but who was the one that was in the psych ward? Because he even looked familiar. Fess Parker. Was that Fess Parker? Yeah. In the psych war, but he's explaining he was why. The, he was the pilot from Oklahoma. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was going to say, I'm like, he looks so far. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because um, they wanted, um, who was it? Was it John Wayne um, who suggested mm-hmm. that James Arnett yep. for Gunsmoke sort of thing? Right. Yeah. But they were going to actually look at James Arnett for Davy Crockett, but um, Disney. Like yeah. Best Parker better in the small role. That's why yeah. he got the part. And then, of you could have picked a better Davy Crockett. He's just perfect. He did Daniel Boone too. 
I haven't seen that version of Davy Crockett. Oh, it's good. It's, it's, a, it's a TV series. It was a TV series. Daniel yeah. Boone was the TV series with Fess Parker. Remember that? Yeah, song? Davy Crockett yeah, was, was a movie. Big. Yeah. Was big man. Now I can't continue. We had lyrics of that in the playground, but the lyrics are now can't. Say I it. actually, when I was a kid, <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I actually had like um, a few different collections of like Disney books from like either the 50s or the 60s. It had like very vintage um, art from that period in, in it. And so Davy Crockett was in there, but I've never seen the movie. Davy, Davy Crockett. Crockett. My little brother's name is Davy. Wild Frontier. We need to not give up our day job. <laughs> <laughs> and folks, you now are joining us at the Literary License Karaoke Hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We should do that sometime. Might, no, no, we, we should not. We might get more viewers from... <laughs> Please, folks, if we're going to request anything, no. Do <laughs> not make us sing. Trying to find out where we live then. <laughs> no. Don't make me sing. Will you please don't, don't make me sing. singing. <laughs> My ears are bleeding. <laughs> please. Now, the movie Them, if you, if you are a fan of 1950s science fiction, there's a really good Blu-ray box that you can get called the Science Fiction Classics um, Special Effects. It has Them, little um, Joe Young, and oh, it, yeah. a couple of really good films uh, in it. They're really good remastered and stuff. I actually watched Them on the Killer Channel, which was, was all high definition and stuff, which was quite good. What's the Killer Channel? I don't even know what that is. The Killer Channel is www.killerchannel.net. And if you join up and put LL Podcast in, you get one free month. Yay. Wow. What's that? Nice. Good to know that. (laughs) (laughs) So so does anyone else have anything to add to them before we move on to our next feature? Mm, Nope. Yeah, I mean, I guess I I woke up to the ending. I did wake up to the ending. (laughs) Jesse! And I I that's when I realized, oh, this story isn't necessarily just about killer ants. It is more of an allegory like we were talking about earlier, but and that's kind of when I was thinking about, you know, like the nuclear stuff and how it is kind of like, you know, man versus nature and the consequences that, you know, the price that we have to pay when we do something and we don't necessarily realize that we've done something wrong. Sometimes yeah. nature makes us face that consequence. And sometimes we can't necessarily deal with it on our own or deal with it at all. Sometimes we or act, it's it. about also acting quickly instead of taking your time. Right. So there's exactly, a lot of it was yeah. a sense of urgency of time and being quick to your actions and making sure we made mistakes. So how can we, you know, turn this around before it's too late. Right. And so a lot of that was the built up of uh, my also thing was they know so much information about this particular thing. Where did they come from? Did they come from somewhere this happened before? And that my mind went to that, like, were they somewhere else where this happened? And they're like, Oh God, now we got to go to California and this crap's happening over there or New Mexico. We got to go to New Mexico and fix it over there. You know, cause they, they knew they were like, very informed of what was happening and they couldn't yeah. say anything until they can, could confirm it. And that was like, how do you know so much about like mutant ants? Like, like where did you get this? Well, if you figure the little ants that I kill, they're little, the fire ants are a real pain in the butt, but if you figure they have 30 to 50 feet tunnels of their own under your property, that's why it's so hard to get rid of them. Can you imagine an ant on a bigger scale? Yeah. What their shit's going to look like, because it wasn't just three ants. Technically it's supposed to be a ton of ants. Yeah. Cause they had time to, to produce. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
And the queen, and the queen was laying her eggs, didn't she? So, you know, if they, if they left it any longer, then those little worker ants that they're fighting in the sewers would be bigger, wouldn't they? And they would be yeah. even more. Yeah. Than... yeah. So. Hmm. so what's better? Things like aliens from World, War of the Worlds from the sky or giant killer ants that I'll live in the ground? Ants that I will hire, evolved. Ants, you have a better knowledge of knowing what they are and what you're fighting. You have no clue of what you're fighting, so you kind of have no, you don't know what they are, right? So okay. that's why they're alien, they're foreign, right? Versus an yeah. alien. Yeah, I think if you got like 20 foot ants, I think, and you have a whole colony of them, I think man will probably soon be extinct. Yeah. 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 Well, most people, oh. especially present day, most people don't know how to fight and defend themselves. So it's literally like, um, can I send an email to get help? Because I don't know what to do. <laughs> Like, I thought it was pretty fight. funny when I saw um I, I thought when I seen um one of the ants, I thought it had like a spring in its mouth and then it drops it and it happens to be like a human ribcage. Like, oh damn. Oh yeah. This thing I, is like guzzling had, down humans. I had to look at that shot a couple times and go, what the hell is in that? Well, it's also like, like why does it remember, have a spring? Well, remember, and then she's like, well, I guess we know where the missing people went. Because <laughs> there's, yeah. like, there's a, a whole thing of bodies everywhere, like in bones. It's like, oh. Well, just well another thing I think you also forget is that ants are also kind of, um, carnivorous as well. Right. I mean, if they, it, yeah, you know, like, I was they're, they're ask, part of the like, process of like cleaning up dead body, you know, dead bodies, exactly. whether they're yeah. dead mice or pets or stuff like that. They're part of that process of oh, yeah, that's getting true. them down I, to the bone. I had to pick up a dead mouse one time and I saw that ants had like invaded its entire body after yeah. having just died overnight. It was insane. It's some form of nutrients for them. So, you know, yeah, yuck. And you also have to remember that ants isn't ants can carry up uh, fifty times their own body weight. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's insane too. So I guess that kind of makes sense because like they were pulling apart like uh, like buildings and uh, mobile homes and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, if they were that big, they could actually um, move the the mobile home on their back. Yeah, which would have been an amazing scene if they just picked up a mobile home and they're like carrying it to the hole. They're like, (laughs) it would be kind of interesting, only kind of interesting to see if they kind of tried to remake that movie today with the effects that we have, but only kind of because the acting. Probably, I mean, I'm not always impressed with the acting when it comes to movies like this nowadays because. Well, it probably has Tori spelling in it if they did it today. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's also it's also hard too with technology because keep keep factoring in a lot of the communications were done through Telegram. They weren't okay. Instant pick up a phone. Like if I saw a big fucking ant, I'd be like, "Hey, girl, oh my god, look at this big fucking ant!" And I'd take my phone and take a photo or a video. Like, look at this shit. This is crazy. Oh my god, this is For going on I I'm actually this take pictures of Snapchat. the spiders I catch under my glasses. You know, I'll put them. I mean, they're so, I mean, they're that big. And I just go, fuck this shit. You know, first thing in the morning. And there it is. Yeah. And I put it under a glass. I mean, the cockroaches that come in when it gets raining, they're that. I mean, you can't, no one can see me. But everybody who lives in Texas or Florida knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. I yeah, see, I can't I'm take bugs out any other way except by putting them in a glass or Flushing down, flushing them down the toilet because I can't stand squishing like giant. I mean, I want to squish it. Just grosses me out. Makes me so sick. I get the can of raid and watch them suffer. 
Oh God! I do that sometimes too. I do that with like wasps Jeez. and things like that. Yeah, wasps. Do I don't mind killing wasps because I think no, what, not at all. Wasps. Why are wasps on this? If anyone has an answer why we need wasps on the planet, contact us at info at llpodcast.com. There's we'll a movie you for you. <laughs> There's I, like a movie I think there is a, a defensive thing for them. I don't know why. I mean, I remember we called them daubers, mud daubers. Mud daubers. I remember my. Those things, man. I remember my dad be like, "Oh, we got mud daubers," and I'm like, "Please don't make us go." Get them. We literally say- have to take off shovel and try to smack them down, and then they attack you, and it's oh, oh and they get they get revenge, revenge as well. If you go oh, after yeah. them, they'll come after you. Do those oh, yeah. mud ones sting? Like those bright oh, yeah. green? They do. They're hornets. They're hornets. Okay, I was and, they can, and they can sting you. Mul- they can sting you multiple times. It's yeah, not like, a bee. Not like bees. A bee can sting you and it dies, right? And they can right, sting yeah. you repeatedly. Yeah. No and joke. you've got the murder hornets wherever they are. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the ones not that were like killing like hornets. mice and stuff and rats. Oh, geez, that's insane. I remember seeing those. That was oh. Yeah, that's a nightmare movie. You could make something legit out of well, that. For we sure. will be covering a giant hornet movie later on in the year called Stung. <laughs> yeah, well, perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah, Stung is fine. Well, that brings us to Eight-Legged Freaks as we continue our way down through the insect, insect world of the Hollywood world. And it, Eight-Legged Freaks is originally titled Iraq Attack, under which it was released in some parts of Europe and other countries around the world. It is a 2002 horror monster comedy action film directed by Ellery Akiam and starring David Arquette, Carl Waller, Scott Terra, and young Scarlett Johansson. The pop follows a colony of spiders that are exposed to toxic waste, causing them to mutate into gigantic, monstrous creatures and attack a small American mining town. The film was dedicated to the memory of several people, Louis Arquette, father David Arquette, who died in 2001 from a heart failure, and Don Devlin and Pilar Surratt, the parents of producer Dean Devlin, who died of lung cancer in 2000 and 2001, respectfully. And I guess we should also note that Sean Penn's mother is in this film as well, which we'll get to that after the trailer. So take it away, Eight-Legged Freaks. morning here in prosperity arizona right here at kfrd the only source for the inside dope on space aliens and when they plan to invade Where is it? it's time for america to wake up people wake up before it's too late people are saying well you know it's coyotes and it's wolves but we know the truth Spider-Man. Our town is being attacked by giant spiders. Warner Brothers Pictures presents the biggest, (laughs) nastiest mutant spider movie of all time. Oh yeah, this is 
Welcome back to Literary Legends Podcast, and we're discussing Eight-Legged Freaks from 2002. So, Joe, what are your thoughts of Eight-Legged Freaks? Well, watching these back-to-back, you could see where Eight-Legged Freaks um, kind of pays tribute to them. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. Like, I did not expect, upon re-watching the two, that I would actually enjoy Eight-Legged Freaks more. Um, I know, I thought, yeah, I felt the same way. <laughs> it's 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 such a fun little movie um and it's it's just the right amount of ridiculous the the characters being absolute imbeciles (laughs) just just kind of adds to it um uh i love the way the 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 webbed up mummified bodies look um it looks super cool uh it was like a haunted house attraction almost yeah, and it moves. It it, it keeps moving. Like the, like rewatching that and them, rewatching Eight Legged Freaks and them in the last couple of days. You 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 see how the beginning of them they're building like the tension for half an hour. What is what is causing this? What is going on? This one just throws you right in there. Just hits the ground running. Um, which normally I prefer a movie that has kind of a slower burn, but in this case. The, this this kind of movie couldn't have that kind of slow burn. This movie needed to be just immediate, just giant spiders attacking kids on dirt bikes. It had to be the right <laughs> oh way. So that was the most insane. No Did you notice way. the little boy was watching them on his TV? Yep. Yes. Uh, yep. So yes. good. Little homage. Uh, just to think, you know, that damn jackrabbit. I mean, had that damn jackrabbit at the beginning yeah. of that film didn't, you know, make the driver. Oh, I know. When you even had a movie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think at one point they were even, they were gonna kind of they had to they were gonna do an alternate where it was actually the beginning was the toxic was in the mine and they had yeah. switched that and yeah. made that scene so that was an alternate beginning and then had <laughs> an alternate ending which I didn't I was reading about it and it didn't seem big of a different ending. Um, but I actually love, I'm not a big spider person, as I was talking about before we got on. I'm huge, not a spider. Like, I remember seeing arachnophobia and being just creeped out. Of yeah. No, that movie is, that's like more uh, natural spiders. Like, yeah, yeah, that's something to be more scared of because they're spiders as they are. They're not yeah. like killer spiders. Not monster <laughs> spiders. But with this, I think it's also, it helps that there is a comedic jovialness to the way the sounds, and we talk about like sounds in the first film. And this, yeah, for this moments mind. I felt like I was watching Jurassic Park. It, it also, no, it felt like Looney Tunes because you yeah. hear the spider. Yeah. No, like, I literally <laughs> said that. I literally <laughs> said yesterday, I felt like I was watching Looney Tunes. I, my, I said that. I, like, yeah. especially the scene with the cat that's in the wall is like one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, poor cat, because I have a cat. I have two cats. So I'm like, oh my yeah, God, this poor cat. Kung Fu. You can hear the cat trying to do Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> and my roommate literally said the same thing. He's like, this movie is fucking Looney Tunes. I'm like, it, it really is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so I, it's I like love Looney that Tunes part and Scooby Doo and all those other fun monster movies. 
it, it made it easier for me to watch because I'm not a big uh, like when it comes to like the creepy crawly movies, I'm not a big fan of that. I like the yeah, humor aspect to make it like make it more lighthearted. And I kept thinking the lead, um, the sheriff Sam. I don't know why I kept thinking of she remind me of. Um, he reminds me of somebody too. Judd, right? Ashley Judd. She I looks that like no, that's true. Going, yeah, I was trying to think. What of the hell? hell? And I'm like, I was like, why do I keep seeing Ashley Judd? <laughs> I was like, yeah. you know, it's not her. It's not her. It's like driving me crazy. Scarlett Johansson. She looked like she was five. I said they're matching her with Scarlett Johansson was very well done because they looked like they did look like their family. No, that's true. I thought yeah. so too. Yeah, yeah. You could absolutely she got prettier though. She wasn't the cutest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I didn't like the haircut on her. It made her look a little too butch. Because I mean, when you look at Scarlett Johansson now. Um, she looks like a, you know, she's like a bombshell. She doesn't look like she did there. The, the hair was not good. I don't well, think that was a haircut at the time because it was like the modern girl had like and the bob. She, 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 yeah, like she had some hair. She had some work done because her nose is no longer like that anymore. No, no. I mean, she, it's also she was very young. I don't know how old she was in this, but she was extremely young. In this. We uh, looked it up. She was seventeen. Oh, really? really? Okay. So see, she was really young. She had she had to grow into her her face, you know, and her. Yeah, her, I mean, when I was watching. Them. Or the when plastic surgeon grew her into her face. Stop it. <laughs> Leave her alone. Leave poor Scarlett alone. It was, uh, by the way, I have to say for a beginning of her, that type of a role, like, bravo for her for taking something. Because like, I would have been like maybe reading the script going, I don't know if this is something I would want to do, but I'm sure she yeah. this type of role as like a fun uh, you know, like a fun experience of a role because she got to play something fun and she it, her role was much more smaller than I thought it would be because I yeah, thought yeah. it would revolve around more her and even the teenage boy she was with but then it, it ended up being more Arquette's character. I know I was kind of surprised that her and like the boy wasn't like the main like you know the bad you know girl and the bad boyfriend relationship and yeah. like they actually ended the relationship early on and she yeah. ripped up his picture I'm like oh well good for you <laughs> well she also yeah, she also zapped him in the nads too to make him pee him yeah and when yeah and when she thought when she, she thought he was crazy for thinking that uh he that she was overreacting I'm like yeah you kind of did overreact you could have just left the vehicle or something or i don't know um but that i think you could have had a better because it's not like he was trying to sexually harass her or like rape her or anything like that. So yeah. I, I don't think that she needed to do that. But I think when I was a watching... message to young girls, like you have power to control your own, you know, like, you know, yeah. like, you know, and then, I mean, she was also the comment she makes her mom, like, you know, I don't want to end up like you. <laughs> like, I know. I was so hurt by that. I felt awful that she would say something like that to her mom. And you can, t- like, <laughs> like, when, the, when the mom said, thanks for the flashback and, you know, like I didn't deserve that. I felt so bad for the mom in that moment. I'm like, oh, I probably said something like that to my mom. At well, least especially one. when you get the backstory that Scarlett Johansson's father used to beat the shit out of the mother. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like, I okay. know, I know. It's like, geez, <laughs> so heartless. Yeah, what, it would have been a good years? moment for her to be like, oh, at least I, you know, I should have aborted you. You know, <laughs> you know, like she, oh, but she was always like the mom to be like, oh, sheriff. No, we... I actually really liked the mom character. I, I can't she say I've great. seen. A, yeah. I can't say I've seen a character like her in too many movies, especially in in a time where she's able to be taken seriously. Like it's always like when women are in roles like that, typically it's like the Mary Sue kind of character where they're just, they're super badass, They're super powerful. They can do everything. But I I think it was a pretty balanced role that she had. She wasn't like the know-it-all. She didn't have all the ability, all the power. 
she needed like a balance and had like a, a bunch of people, even though she was more of the leader. It was kind of interesting to see a female sheriff for once in one of these kinds of movies instead of always, you know, like the man, the big man, the big sheriff around town, you know, because it's, you know, like when you watch Stranger Things or it doesn't matter if it's a serious or comedy thing when you have like any kind of disaster movie, it's always like a, a big sheriff guy or something well, like that. So it was kind of interesting to see your character. You had to have her be that character because his, you know, David Arquette's character coming in, his character was more of like the guy coming back home and like, you know, yeah. trying to, we, we don't even know why he's back because we know that his father had died. And if it was a matter of coming back to save the mine or whatever it was, it was sent around these two guys, you know, the villain, which was uh, Harlan, right? So <laughs> villains of Harlan, you know, I'm going to open up the mall and I'm going to tear this mind down, you know, and then you have David. So you almost had to have her be that buffer of a character between, between the two of them, you know? Well, it's quite interesting yeah. because they <laughs> use this female sheriff archetype later on in another film, Piranha, yeah. when they remake yeah. Piranha. Yeah. There's a little bit of shoe at that time. But it's, it's oh, quite yeah, interesting. That just pretty much kind of like, started off the whole you know we're gonna do you know whatever kind of you know yeah horror movie horror oh, I, movie i love the beginning scenes like this and also now you have a female sheriff is not now the norm after this film then you yeah. got dougie yeah. doug this harlan harlan was half the fun you know the guy was like doing the conspiracy theory radio i know he's my radio. favorite character it's so funny oh was it was he harlan or was Let's talk about the anal probe who was the other guy then? Was it Wade? Was Wade the guy that yeah, was... Yeah, Wade was the mall guy. Wade oh, okay, I'm sorry. Guy. Wade was mall. Yeah, Harlan was funny because Harlan was like the conspiracy guy who was, you know... Yeah. He was good, yeah. Yeah, because... good the, to see Tom Noonan as well, though. It's quite good to see him have a nod to... Oh, did you know... Yeah, that, you know that mall explosion scene? That mall actually exploded. Like, that. They, they filmed it there deliberately for that scene because, like, that was an actual problem that they were having was, like, the methane gas. So they filmed it there so they could actually do that. And then I think Gladys's house was actually adjacent to that area so they did I actually blow it up. She kept smoking cigarettes every five minutes. I know. Really- she that's was Sean, great. That's Sean, that's Sean yeah. Penn's mom. So she that's Sean man. Penn's mom. Okay, because yeah. I was wondering who it was. I mean, I'm assuming she was the only, there was only like three women in <laughs> the rest of her majority. No, I still well, have the, the, reason, the reason why she's, she's squinting all the time is that she, she's a non-smoker. So they had to get these oh. special real cigarettes. Oh, smokes made her squinting. That's the reason why she's squinting all the way through, because Dang. the cigarettes made her squint. But I have yet to see David Arquette play someone other than David Arquette because I swear, every movie I see him in, he's always the same character. He's almost never able to do anything else. Like, I I think he was in Alvin and the Chipmunks too, wasn't he? Didn't he play Dave in one of the movies? Or was it always... I feel like that was, what's his name from Ant-Man? Paul Rudd. Oh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, yes. What what was he in then now? And that's what he was. I mean, look at Dewey. Deputy Dewey. I mean, he's come off screen to do this film. Well, he's he's always going to play the lovable loser. That's just who they... Exactly. Yeah. That that, that seems to be (laughs) what he's typecast as. He's the guy who, who starts out as a total loser that by the end of it turns out to be a hero or somewhat heroic. Yeah, exactly. I don't, yeah, I don't, he, he went in Scream. It was insane. He always plays the same guy. I, I, mean, he did play I don't know if that's him. I mean, David Arquette has done some interesting um, independent films, like where he's the male prostitute with Lucas Haas and Johns, which is really good. Oh, yeah. So, he, yeah, that was a very different. Yeah. 
But as far as Hollywood goes, oh, I mean, this, I forgot he Hollywood's was always going to put you into a box and film you into this box sort of thing. Correct. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's that's yeah. what they do. You're the guy who does these movies and these parts, and that's just it. Yeah. Well, if I you want to keep working, you do it. I hate to say it, then that's also Scarlett Johansson. That character, she played a little bit of a kick-ass in this, right? Like, she fought back and yep. she was fighting. So did that lead to other people seeing... Oh, we would love you as a femme fatale, right? We'd love to come and play these this strong woman who's going to fight and fight against evil things, and you know, and you get pushed into that, right? And you know, like yeah, it is it is Hollywood. You get typecast into something, and it's hard to break beyond. And the problem basically is if you tried to break out of that typecasting, let's sit there and say that you do a film. Let's say let's take Tom Cruise for instance. You know, he, Tom Cruise yeah. does the same role over and over and over. Then he tries to break out of the role, which was Stanley Kubik's. Yeah, film there, and of course, that bombed. Yeah, yeah, that bombed, and oh, now you know he was a laughing joke. Then he had to go right back to those movies and build up his career again, so he can do a film that he would like. Oh, when I seen him, or Keanu Reeves doing Little Buddha. I was yeah. so disappointed by that movie, um, The Mummy, with him in it, because that, that was not a good version of the movie. I liked the concept of there being, like, a female mummy queen, but I don't think the movie was well done at all. I was I very they, they, kind of ha- they kind of half-assed tied it to the other I movies, like and they, yeah. I feel like if you're going to go that full direction, like, don't connect the two. If right. you're going to yeah. make a whole well, new franchise, like, do that. Yeah. Don't, yeah. They were trying, they by the it. way, they were trying to make a dark universe, which is something they've been trying to redo for yeah. a new Dracula, a new mummy, I love- a new creature of the Black Lagoon, a new Frankenstein. And each time it's kind of fallen short because you're, you yeah. bring in these characters or your actors, bring in no name actors, bring in a really authentic storyline. They try exactly. to bring in like too many at once. So Dr. Jekyll, what's his name was in this. And like, you know, they, right. yeah. so they did it with Wolfman as well. With Anthony, yeah, Anthony. I'm sure yeah. Angelina Jolie would have been the bride of Frankenstein. I do. I will <laughs> say that I, it's not connected to the uni- dark universe. Uh, Invisible man was fantastic. I mean, it was such a great movie. Of oh, I haven't seen that. Take of it. They are doing invisible woman, not from the se- It's not a sequel cool. to this, but they, they could you know they could basically do a sequel to invisible man if they wanted to um yeah but that's because they turned it over to blumhouse and let and, and let them do it yeah yeah because yeah. had yeah, universal thought... done that in-house it probably would not have worked no it wouldn't the have. reason it i wouldn't have and the i have to think... say blumhouse has a bad bad habit of starting out very, very good but not knowing what to do with their endings correct yeah are always yeah. kind of that's true. That is true. In something, I, I don't think the Dark Universe would have worked the way that they started out with The Mummy because it felt like they were trying to make it into like a Marvel Cinematic Universe, like a superhero movie. And you, I don't think horror works as like a superhero movie. You have to make it either horror or... or yeah, or not. Or yeah. don't. Oddly enough, Universal did it in the 40s. They started yeah. out with a Dracula movie, a Frankenstein right. movie, a yeah. mummy movie, and then by the end, you had Dracula, Frankenstein, and Do something Man. new. <laughs> uh, and I would also say that, like, yeah, you know, the, the Invisible Man movie is less about him being invisible and about a woman who is thoroughly and utterly just destroyed as a human being because she was in an abusive relationship. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, that's yeah. the, um, the, he, he's the guy from, um, uh, he's in films, uh, Haunted, right? yeah, him, yeah, the actor. Okay, uh, yeah, I want to see that. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and I highly, you know, suggest it because it. If anyone who has ever been in any, that type of relationship, you feel her struggle with trying to make people understand she's not losing her mind, and yeah. you even start to think she's losing her mind because you're like, if you've been PTS, well, it fucks with you, you know, in your mind. 
in this, it kind of, you start to realize she's not, but then how do you tell people who think you are? Like you, you clear have, you have clear, um, you have clear signs you're going through post-traumatic stress disorder. So everyone wants to be sensitive around you, but not say you're crazy. Right. And so she yeah. like, so it's a great, it's a great film because of that as well, but it, it's also just the effects are fantastic and it's a good kick ass. Like you, I could see this woman playing, she was in the hands made till, right. So it's the same thing. Yeah. This kick ass character, like she, she's going to fight back. You know, she's going to fight back. She's not the type of person to not fight back. So it's great. Well, it was just a good, clean fun. You know, all the spiders had their own kind of character, didn't they? You yeah. had the orb weavers. You had the pink tarantula. You had an Australian funnel web spider, a trapdoor yeah. spider. You know, the orb weavers, which I, that would just kill me. And then you got the jumping spiders. This is, I love those were awful. Movies, but God, I hate fucking spiders. I mean, the what's, I mean, between the trap ones and ones where they were eating the ostriches, which is a great. Oh thing. my God, I know. <laughs> I was kind of hoping the dog would show up, but the dog doesn't show back up. They kind of roll over the fact that they killed a lot of people in that town because basically like, what about anyone in the, in the shop? He's like, no, there's a lot of bodies, but they're all shells. They're dead. They're yeah. dead. You know? It's cold. Watching this, I said they say with Dead Meat podcast. I had to there say when he does his body count, this would be a quite hard one to do a body count for. Yeah, yeah, that's true because know. they don't yeah. make it, it. It's not a movie where they're focusing on it. It's more of a movie that's similar to like Jurassic Park or something where they don't show the gore. It's more about the spiders attacking and the people trying to survive. So it does kind of have more of an action movie vibe from like the early 2000s than it does um like a horror film it doesn't feel like a horror movie at all really although it is kind of sickening to watch the spiders being squashed because i just hate spiders myself and i hate killing bugs and squashing them that way it's just not the way i would do it because it makes me feel sick so i actually felt sick watching the movie part of the time because it's just oh even though it was you know played as for laughs and as a joke and stuff it was still really gross but i also don't think spiders are green on the inside i'm pretty sure they're not <laughs> Well, you mean when the guy shoots him, or he's like cutting their legs off with a chainsaw, and they're like, they're, 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 they're mutated like... spiders. Who says they're? Oh, that's true. That's true. The radiation is probably supposed to be um, the green stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't, I didn't put this together until just now. This film starts out with a to- with a canister of toxic waste falling off a truck into a ravine. Right. Mm-hmm. The same way Return of the Living Dead Part Two starts out. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Ellery yeah, okay. went on to direct Return of the Living Dead 4 and 5. I, If he was here right now, I'd be able to ask him, be like, was, was, was that, that intentional? Yeah, yeah. Was that yeah. a big influence? Well, well, it's interesting, too, is they're not, they they eat the crickets that I guess that are, that crickets are the things that mutate them. Yeah. And so it's like, it's an interesting thing that they could have, he could have done, you know, more films that were not just about spiders. It could be the fish in the water or it could be whatever, because it's other things got mutated to mutate these things, too, which was interesting. Something I did kind of find annoying about it, though, is that. I you know the sp- the big spiders would probably also eat the little sp- spiders. They wouldn't just go after humans. So I kind of wish I would have seen more of that. But I know it was played as a joke, and so I keep forgetting that and like wanted to be a little more realistic. Just you know, so they don't because they were all different kinds of spiders. Yet yeah. they were all working in unison as if they were part of one big giant hive. But that's just not how it works. 
Yeah, um, like, I think it was also male. The female was the bigger giant one that was in the in the cavern. Yeah. So the males are not going to attack each other. If anything, they're presenting to the queen. They're giving offerings. So the males are the ones I think were doing most of the pun intended legwork, like going and getting people and wrapping them up and bringing them back to the queen. So you really don't see the female, which would be the one who would eat the males, right? If she ever got hungry enough, she would kill the males and she would eat them, right? Whereas right. the males. They're just competing and vying for her, you know. Her yeah, they did kind of. This horror movie from back then, too. Mm-hmm. They had the flying frame mantis that was all over the place. Oh, that would be creepy. That, the, a flying mantis would be grasshoppers. <laughs> well, anything land-based, you could at least do something. When it's flying, you're screwed. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no, it's uh, true. Especially when lasers are coming out. It just picks you up and drops you. It's like, whoop, you know. Oh, uh, that reminds me of that that um like horror version of Superman. What is that movie called? Oh, I know. I never wa- watch it. Uh, Bright Burn or Bright Burn? Yeah, it is Bright Burn. is that worth? I haven't seen either. I want to watch it. So I'm it's gonna, it's, it's not that good. It's, 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 I, I was expecting it's got, it's got it's its moments. Got yeah, it has its moments. I would agree with that. It's not like the best, but it's it's definitely worth watching at least once. Venom was kind of not, well. It wasn't a disappointment, but that other one with well, what's his name? Well, oh God, he was in Fast and Furious movies. What was that movie? He just was in Vin a, Diesel. Vin Diesel, yeah, he was in a superhero, whatever, something blood, something. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Where he has the black eyes and stuff. Yeah, Pitch no, Black, that, I think it's called. Yeah, no, you're thinking Pitch Black. No, he came out a new one about last year before. Yeah. Oh, took just over. Is it part of the same series? I don't no. think so. It just you know, I'm not. Fine. I haven't really been a fan of Vin Diesel because I, I sometimes when I watch his movies, I can barely understand what he's saying, and you can't read his mouth because he barely moves his mouth either. So it's like, I need subtitles. I need to learn the language of Vin Diesel. I mean, I just I'm not really impressed with Vin Diesel's acting, to be honest. He's kind of he's kind of boring to watch. He has no just personality. He's saying family. <laughs> family. Family. <laughs> I liked him in The Pacifier because he actually had like a personality and he was very energetic in that movie, but I haven't seen him in a role like that in a long time. Kind of like with Will Smith. If Will Smith isn't doing, I mean, he's a good actor, but he takes on so many of the same kinds of roles as far as like the, the dramatic family man, like in legendary or like, um, uh, is it 12 pounds or eight pounds or something like that? Or like all of those really sad movies. He's good in them, but sometimes it's hard to like look at Will Smith and not think the of worst thing about Will Smith dark is movies. He needs, get, he needs to get rid of those children and stop putting them in movies. <laughs> stop. Yeah. Jaden, little Jaden. Oh my God. <laughs> Jaden and Willow. I didn't like that version of They're Friday. the kind of kids that like promote child abuse. I'm sorry, but they just do. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I, I feel like at least, you know, I've seen worse with Hollywood kids. Trust me when I say that. Um, I think, you know, they're as a family, they're trying to do a lot of things together. Um, but going back uh, with the with eight legged, I found it interesting that like this type, like it is more of an action, less. Yeah. It's more like of an action sort of escape, you know, getting away or trying to survive. I'm surprised they didn't go for the the end where something survived because around that time it was always there's something else right there's always something you know we, we got rid of bigger it all. and better and then you know they go back to the farm and you find that she laid eggs or something like i'm surprised they didn't do that you know they could have very easily done that whole thing they're not gone yet oh you that would have been so exhausting the diesel movie bloodshot oh bloodshot okay okay yeah. 
But they, um, is that related I mean, to the pitch black movies? No, it's not. No. So. Okay. So, um, I mean, anything in Freaks, I think it it it's, it has a goal to basically just entertain you. It's not meant to right. set your world right. Well, it's yeah. a pop it's a popcorn multiplex movie. And that's right. what it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Sort of thing, and but I have to sit there and say that the science behind it. I mean, the 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 different brands of spiders at ERC, they are real spider brands. So yeah, yeah. You know, so they didn't they didn't short you out on that. And you know, as far as the science, from what Joe was saying, is like um, previously, is that the science does make sense as well. So they were able to make the, the science make sense in this kind of a film, which I think is one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, to make the science. Now the only thing I the only thing that I think that sets this film down a little bit for me is that how come the crickets weren't so huge that he's feeding to the spider? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I know. I was expecting giant crickets at some point, even if they were just temporary, but they didn't have that. Well, even like, the guy. The, back. <laughs> well, and then the guy, the guy uh, who was in the water pulling the drum out, he's like, "Oh, I wasn't there pulling." Like, why was he like mutated? Like, all this has like a baby coming out of his head, you know? Like, like I know, I, I, I thought, he was you know, because, like, you know, because of how quickly like the the spiders reacted to that. I mean, nothing happened to him. He was he talked about getting baby hairs on on his scalp like at the very end of the movie. It's like, yeah. it shouldn't have something happened to your head, even if you like grew an extra forehead or something. I mean, something. I think that I was just know. levity of comedy. They weren't trying I guess to, so. Yeah. They well, I think, I think this movie is, is a homage to films like them, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's enjoy, you're enjoying it, but it is paying homage to that kind of a film. Yeah, it definitely what, has that, like, early 2000s. There's so many movies I've seen that are, like, have this that, that same vibe that the movie carries. Even, like, the Scooby-Doo and the Monsters Unleashed movie uh, and stuff like that. I just, I felt like I was watching something like that. And I, I think they accomplish it very, very well. I think they, you know, they're, t- they're, take, they're taking a genre of film, giving homage to it, having fun with it, but you're not laughing at that homage of films. You know what I mean? You're yeah. just going along for the ride sort of thing. And I think that, and I have to there say that's a pretty difficult thing to do is it, to not turn it into like a scary movie version of, you know, the scary movie yeah. franchises. Oh yeah, it's definitely. They were going to um, do a, a second, a second movie, but it just never seemed to happen. It's, it's kind of, a, it's definitely a safe like family movie like you could watch it with your kids and there wouldn't be anything like really bad in it because there's not no there's nothing really terrifying there's no blood you don't see like the spider necessarily draining people of their well, organs you know, or anything like, like that people, you know that it's draining them out you know well yeah, they, they yeah, kind of i think they deliberately did that from a ratings perspective because they want yeah they wanted families to see this because if you went to gore it would be like r and then families would be like i'm not taking my teenagers or kids to see this they wanted it to be like funny and cute like if 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 an adult watches it it's scary but as a kid it's like it's funny because they're making all the sounds and they're acting you know they're, they, it's like to me those elements where they have that cat, you know, in the wall. Like that whole element was meant as an adult. I'm like, oh, that's cute, you know. Whatever. As a kid, it's like, oh my god, look at it, you know. They're looking for this, the not the summer teenage. Yeah, problem. exactly. I mean, it was I, it was rated twelve, wasn't it? So that's yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, okay. I mean, what's quite interesting is this director um, also did a film two years prior to this called They Nest. Which is oh, about gosh. a bunch of cockroaches that basically mimic. Um, no, no, these cockroaches are actually quite horrible. They get um, get 
what's the word I'm looking for? They be they become get involved with toxic waste, and what they do is they start burrowing themselves in the people, and oh. then start hatching inside. No, no, alien. no, 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 no. So that's why it's, they nest in you. <laughs> Got it. Yes. <laughs> And the thing, the thing about these cockroaches is they use the red, they use the red cockroaches, which is in an, if South America, red cockroaches, you have to be careful because if you're sleeping, they will burrow themselves into you and start planting their eggs in you. Oh, oh my god! Yes, it is. So I imagine oh that god. film, they nest, is probably what led to Eight Legged Freak. Yeah. Like, they probably well, they yeah, probably I, made can, it and it scared people, and they was like, okay, let's go a little bit more lighter. <laughs> <laughs> but I suggest that if you if you do watch um if you do see they nest it has a good cast it has Dean Stockwell in it and it also Check has it Savage nice so it has a pretty decent cast in it sort of thing. Okay. So what we should do now is let's talk about both films together. So. Vicky, what's your favorite film and what's your least favorite film and why? I love them both. Um, I kind of was partial to uh, Eight-Legged Freaks, though, because I do enjoy my monster CGI stuff. So, I mean, they were just fun spiders. I, well, everybody knows. Anybody who knows me, people post spiders all over my social media because they know I hate them. But it was fun <laughs> to watch. It just was. I mean, and, and the cast was great because... You have, uh, what was the the boy? Oh God, what was his name? He's an actor. Not remember his name. No, it's driving me nuts. He was. Uh, was it Mike? Was Parker? he the kid that was in um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? I don't, I think he was. was. He, I he was, was in Daredevil. Shrunk the Kids was in the eighties. This is relatively a lot later. This is the, like I know. The kid was in Daredevil. I don't know if any of you have seen that, but I was trying to figure out where he was from. Yes. Scott Tara from Daredevil. That's where I've seen him from. Yep, oh that's him. Yeah, that's right. hysterical. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Uh, but I mean, I, I thought he was a good actor. I, I, I thought that all the characters were, they were just fun, even though, I don't know how you can hate it if you like horror movies and stuff. I, I thought it was a fun movie. Every time it's on, like, you know, you're laying around, you don't really hit, you've got cable TV. And then you see it on with commercials and all. I'll just lay there and watch it again because I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and as far as them, I thought it was really good for the 50s. And, and it kind of just points out to where we were as America back then. I mean, we were just after, you know, the, the nuclear bomb had been dropped. And, you know, back then, I think <laughs> everybody, Keith tells everybody how old I am. But, I mean, even up until the point of grade school, they used to have us go out to the halls. Remember, Keith, that we would have to put our heads, you know, our books over our heads. Like that. Duck, duck and cover, like that was going to say. Like in the late right. 60s, early 70s, because of the Cold War. So people <laughs> were legitimately afraid of, you know, the Cold War era and legitimately afraid of what they had seen with this power that was unleashed on Japan with Nagasaki and Hiroshima. So I think that when, when you have um, nuclear mutated animals it's going to really kind of freak people out especially for back then because how many you know when did we seen something like that back that's like oh my god something else to freak out you know the public yeah i have to whatever is going to make animals run amok and get bigger and come into your backyard and you know i, I can't to say that I, i've been to hiroshima and i have to sit there and say that the most frightening thing about hiroshima is is that when you go there it's kind of quiet but what you do is you look down on the ground 
the shadow of the people have been burnt into the um, right the ground. Yeah. If that sounds something. Yeah, this is, you know, nuclear power for you sort of thing. Yeah, so, I mean, let's face it. It was a good time to make nuclear mutated animals. You know, I think that the praying mantis came out from this. And then you had, like, Godzilla and all these other things that were coming out because of the, of the nuclear, you know, era. Oh, yeah, it was God- I've never actually seen Godzilla. Is Godzilla related to the radiation? Is that why? Yeah, that, yeah Godzilla that was, so was a, he was reptilian. It was a reptile that just. You know, I think that's how okay. it happened. But, you know, I mean, the old Godzilla, seriously, I know. I mean, he's not as scary a monster, but the old Godzilla is a freaking great movie. You know, I mean, it's always because of the acting. There was something about like the way that they Aaron they Burr told stories and- in the 50s and, and 60s, which is why I like shows like Twilight Zone and um, Bewitched and stuff, because they, there's such a specific way that's totally different now. And if you want like something kind of fresh, you know, for us, it's fresh because we didn't grow up in that generation growing up with things like that. Um, but I do like to watch things like that because it's just totally different from the way that they tell stories but now. It was it's, a different, it was a different time and a different era. And yeah. I really, I love anything that comes out of there because it's just fun yeah, to me watch. Too. And, Absolutely. you know, it, it, it was just, it's just part of our... We're, you know, we're covering Godzilla later on um, in this season. Yeah, oh, I, cool. I absolutely love the old old Godzilla. It's one of my favorites. And it actually scared me more than the other Godzillas, except for maybe the one that came out two years ago, because he was a real scary What guy. about King Kong? Then you what about King Kong? It's the 30s. Yeah, King Kong was the late 30s, but he wasn't nuclear mutated. He was just some No, but did you did you like that cuz I actually liked that story too. King I actually Kong love that a, they gave it more of um mythology if you will of like where he comes yeah, from so and what like, he is and like a titan. But a yeah. Lot, a lot of great monster movies came out of that back in the day. I mean, you had the rubber you saw the little was I don't know what they call it. Joe probably knows when they have like the little rubber things that the like the, the dinosaurs clubber. make a move. Like a little prosthetic. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they okay. make the, the monsters move. No, you're talking about claymation. When they would use claymation. Oh, okay. yeah, claymation kind of sort of whatever. And I just, it's, I don't care what anybody says. It's just fun to watch. And Asher, like I said, my grandson watched them with me. And he could not stop watching it. He could not wait for when the ants were coming out. And he was really fixated on the little girl. What happened to her? He was so worried about what was happening to this little girl. Well, what happened to her? I go, I think they ate her family. (laughs) (laughs) And and he's like, oh, Grandma, I go, it's black and white. He goes, yeah, this is old. This can't be real. (laughs) So, But it's it's fun watching it through younger eyes because it doesn't have sex in it. And it doesn't have swearing or drugs, but it's something you really can watch with the little ones. And my mother, like I always tell Keith, we grew up watching monster movie matinee out of Syracuse with our mothers. We always watched that. So, I mean, they're both good, clean, fun films. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. you know, the spider one might be a little bit more, but it's just a lot of fun. The acting is great, and it has a lot of comedy value, and it does have its place in the Horror Hall of Fame as far as I'm concerned. That's what, about your, what about yourself, John? What are your thoughts about these films? Um, I think they're both two different creatures, literally. Um, I really loved um, them from the aspect of it now. It makes me want to go back and watch a lot of these um, black and white films of this genre. And I like, I like that it has a bit of science and seriousness to it and more sci-fi element to it. And then, you know, equally balanced to that is Eight-Legged Freaks, which is just fun to watch. Like I was able to like kind of put that on and watch and just be a little bit like creeped out because I'm not a big spider person, but laugh at the creepiness of it too. And being able to kind of watch 
um, just the comedic element to unfold without going, am I going to have to like turn away without being grossed out and creeped out <laughs> by this film and not, and just kind of at the end, just going, that was satisfying. It was fun. Made me laugh, you know, creep me out. I like that duality when you, when you go through emotions, like yeah. a good horror film to me too, sometimes has that humor to it that allows you to kind of, you know, dip a little bit out, dip, you, you know, take your foot out of the cold water and put it right back in. Like you're able right. to kind of do that with this. It was fun. It was fast. Totally fun. fun. Yeah. Fighters. And I love that. I love that. You know, you know, they're going to survive, you know, they're going to get through it, but how are they going to do it? And like, you know, the elements of how they get away and get through it. Um, I didn't, you know, in in them, you're, you don't, you know, they're going to get through it. Then there's a scientific method, more of a, an approach, a military approach of strategic approach of how we get through this. Um, but yeah, I like them both. I would I have to say probably them more than Eight Legged, just because I love the nostalgia that it brings back. I know you gotta That's love the silver screen. Oh, I love the silver screen. I love it, and I love just the acting was fantastic in it. So it was great. And what about yourself, Joe? Uh, of the two, I I thought because when I had originally seen them, I liked them better. Now I gravitated more towards Eight Legged Freaks, and I think it's just because it it wasn't taking itself seriously. Right. I think that's what appealed to me most about it. Um, also, I um, if anybody ever wants to see me shooting giant spiders, you uh, blink and you'll miss me. But Lavalantula. I haven't heard of that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. cool. I mean, how cool is that? You get to shoot, like, come on. I, alongside Michael Winslow and Steve Gutenberg, which oh, was yeah. so much fun. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg, uh, oh my God. Love. Fire-breathing spiders attack Los Angeles, and uh, I'm... Uh, I, like, like I said, I'm in it for a couple of seconds. Uh, By the way, that's not the worst thing to ever descend on Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm part of a film crew on Steve Gutenberg's new film when the spiders attack, and yeah, we we basically have to take up arms and defend Los Angeles, and it's fun. That's cool. That's cool. Um, but of the two, yeah, Eight Legged Freaks is definitely the one that I that I prefer. It's um, I, I love that it doesn't take itself seriously. I love that it, it it's it hits the ground running and it moves. It knows exactly what it is. It realizes you can't make this subject really scary. It's just not going to work, especially not in mm-hmm. 2001 because the technology is not really there to right. actually make it creepy. Um, but it's it's entirely self aware and it's it's so much fun. It is just the the what is like 102 minutes or something like that it just breezes by. Jess. Yeah, I, I agree a lot with that. Um, I think the only time you can make something like that scary is like in Lord of the Rings. Um, because, you know, there's giant spiders in that too. But because it's totally fantasy and out of this world, it just seems to work. Like You don't really question it. When it takes place in our world and that's like the basis of the thing that's supposed to scare you like nowadays it probably isn't as scary as it would have been uh, in the 50s or even maybe earlier but i definitely i also liked um the eight legged freaks a little bit more i do love the acting and i love the beginning of them for sure but i just i don't know i guess it's just because i'm not a fan of like killer bugs as like the horror monster it's not my favorite i'm just i'm more of the traditional monsters like dracula and vampires and werewolves and and witches and stuff like that like that's what scares me and intrigues me and fascinates me more than like giant bugs killing people i just that doesn't really i don't know it's i'm a little biased so i do like if i'm watching something like that it has to be kind of comedic and funny 
or like in, in a fantasy world kind of setting for me to be able to take it seriously. <laughs> but because the um, Eight-Legged Freaks didn't take it too seriously, it was like a dark comedy. It does work a little better for, like, for something that I would watch on my own or something like that. Because otherwise, like if I'm supposed to take something seriously, it has to be like a traditional something scary, something that makes sense, something that's like an allegory for... I don't know, man and beast and I don't know, being like a social prior or something, but yeah. So I think I do like, um, eight legged freak a little bit better just because of that. But I do love the beginning of them because I was really like genuinely intrigued and inspired by, um, the beginning of it. It was just so fascinating. Plus I do love the nuclear age too. So I love that they referenced that in the movie, but that's kind of it. I <laughs> wasn't a huge fan of the rest of it. I totally fell asleep. So, <laughs> And for myself, um, I sit there and I quite like both of them. I think they work really well as a double feature. I was quite shocked. They work very well together. Um, but I kind of like them for the simple fact that I like the seriousness of it. And I love, I also, I'm the kind of person that tends to watch the film and watch the character actors and look for all the character actors, stuff like that. So I quite like that aspect of it. Eight-Legged Freaks. I like Eight Legged Freaks a lot. The only thing I kind of wish that they were, that they would have killed off some people that, we, that you weren't expecting to be killed off. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. It'd be nice. it'd be I didn't nice expect if... that though because it was so family friendly. I'm like, once they kind of established that it was a family friendly movie, I'm like, they're not going to kill anybody. Yeah. No one's going to die. The dog. <laughs> I was more upset about the dog. I don't want to see dogs die. I, oh, I was kind of hoping Wade would die though because I really didn't like him. He tried to screw those people over. But I'm glad his mall got blown up in the end because that was total satisfaction. I mean, but even you know, one of the kids was. You know, they all been... got money because he had the gold grill yeah. in the end. So, you know, they probably. Oh, yeah. Harlan was the best part of that movie. Is so funny. I hate to say it. Uh, I mean, Charlize could have. I mean, I mean, um, not Charlize. Um, the daughter could have been. She could have been taken out because she wasn't like a, a huge character. It would have been a lot. Charlie Johansson. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the only thing that kind of did because the kind of thing is like. The only people who actually died were extras. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, yeah like exactly. The guys with the red shirt on Star Trek. They just don't mean Jack. <laughs> it, was, it was a bit like that. But I mean, but if you're die. saying that, but saying that, it's, it's just a mild thing, you know. I would, but right. I would, if it had like a couple surprises like that, I would just be like, <clears> but yeah. saying that, I probably do watch Eight Legged Freaks more than I have watched them, and I own both, so. So I do yeah. watch it. I would want to be on the kill list. It looks like more fun getting killed off. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, remember the get webbed? Remember the old here, man? Here you're being the... killed off by CGI, so basically you just have to fall down. So. Uh, well, remember, remember the old man who was like in the barber shop, and he looks and he's like, "Her old man." Was, like, uh, <laughs> I forgot about crazy. him. The old man, what a hoot! I forgot he was like trying was to get kinda... away, and he just, oh my god, he was funny. I was wondering if they were like brothers or like lovers or partners. I, I didn't know. No, it was, was a customer. He was a customer. Was a customer. No, there, there was a customer, but there, no, there was an other old guy that was like there just reading a newspaper. No, so there that's, was that's what they would do. That's what they do back in the day. They would hang out in the, in the back room and just like yeah, watch so, TV. Yeah, so that's what oh, old so men did, was, but they just hang out in the was just a customer? Yeah, he was just a customer. Yeah. Just hanging out, you know. He oh, thought, he that's, probably what old men, that's what old men used to do. They used to hang out at the barbershop. So they they still do. Yeah, they, they still do. Very, yeah. They they still do. The old timers get down there, especially the veterans and stuff. They, he probably showed up early and he's hanging out while other guys are showing up to get their haircut. He, they talk. 
I will say though, barber shops do give the best haircut for men. I will never go to a salon again to get my hair done. Like five uh, five dollar haircuts is just not worth it anymore. I went to my first barber shop like um, earlier, like a few months ago, and I had the best haircut ever. So barber shops definitely are worth the price. <laughs> Yeah. I love taking my boys to the barbershop or Esther or something because it's just, just a lot of fun watching them get there, especially during the beginning of the summer and you just buzz that what? shit off. Yeah. What's a barber what's a barbershop? I'm not allowed no Scott's not allowed to take Asher for haircuts ever. Why? <laughs> never ever, because he's got a bad haircut once and she just never forgave him. So oh, I, like, I, I wouldn't either. I mean that sucks. That's horrible. Full cut. <laughs> Um, my mom used to give me bowl cuts. I look like the kid from Stranger Things, like the one that got lost when I was a kid. <laughs> Did you get lost in the upside down? You got a really horrible haircut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From the co-writers of the Amazon top-selling serial story, Time Slingers, comes a new full-cast audiobook, Death of a Bounty Hunter, a supernatural steampunk western. 14 different characters voiced by 11 professional voice performers. A Korean bounty hunter named Flint finds himself in the middle of an occult plot to steal a powerful relic from an innocent woman. Get me the Iron Spur, and I will show you true power. Caught between the desperate sheriff who's becoming unhinged at the worst possible time. He mutters the word like a curse dipped in sarcasm. I draw my gun and shoot him between the eyes. And the phantom woman haunting his nightmares. The living always think the dead are worse off. Flint will have to make a choice. Confront the sheriff's posse of misfits or run. But he's losing time. An ogre of a man with a gatling gun for an arm. The brash and headstrong Pinkerton agent, Geraldine Abernathy. And a young, speedster idiot ludicrously named Fancy Dude. They'll all converge at the home of a widow who's lost everything but possesses the relic they all desire, the Iron Spur. Damn that trinket to hell. I don't care what it is or what it does or why the Duskfinders want it. I care about my children. Death of a Bounty Hunter. The weird Western you've been waiting for. Available on www.deathofabountyhunter.com. Lately, it seems that we are all facing larger-than-life problems, but just imagine a world where you had to deal with some eight-legged freaks. Would you face them? Would you even know how? For some tactical advice, we recommend you head on over to our website at llpodcast.com to check out all of our social and podcast platforms, listen to all of our past episodes, become a patron, and sign up for our monthly newsletter to read our reviews of books to screen and everything in between. Coming up on our next episode, the team will give their Bats in the Belfry reviews of the Dark Shadow series. As always, we'd like to thank you for downloading, liking, and sharing the Literary License podcast. Until next time, keep those cans of Raid handy and stay safe out there, folks. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Ta-ta.
This has been a Literary License Podcast production. Until next time, and do not forget to comment or share. We would so admirably appreciate your support. And this broadcast has come to you from the Twilight Zone.